Praise the Lord. All right, we good, Jim? We're praising God and worshiping God, and we know that God inhabits the praises of His people. And uh, I think we're going to take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You that You are in control of all things. And Lord, sometimes what You do is different from what we think or what we believe or what we think should be. And so, Lord, I ask that you would hear our prayer today as we bow our hearts before you, Father. Though unspoken, we can ask from our heart to you. Because in a relationship with you, we know that you hear our prayers. If there be any wayward way in us, we ask for your forgiveness. We know that by his stripes we were healed. We were healed of the bondage we were in to sin. And so, Father, any who might still be in bondage, I command to be loosed and let go, set free. I pray, Father, as we bow our hearts before you, that you would hear our prayer as we lift them to you. Take away all things, Lord, that are opposite of you. I pray in Christ's name that you would guide me to bring your truth to bear upon this congregation and all who may join us via Facebook or other online venues. We lift up to you all who are in positions of authority throughout this county and this commonwealth and these United States. We ask for your blessing on them and we lift up those who are prisoners and refugees of religious persecution, and all who are still lost, Lord, and it's very apparent that many are, we pray in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. What does God's Word say about who you are? I haven't heard very many messages that talk about who God's people are who the believers are. I haven't heard any series of messages that answer that question. Who are you? We know that we are temples of the living God by His Spirit who dwells within us. We know that believers are also God's children. We are those who endure the race that's set before us as we season this earth like salt with the gospel that preserves souls. And today we're going to answer that question by opening God's Word to the 10th chapter of Luke's gospel record. I trust that God is going to forgive us for missing the mark, and I trust that He's going to guide us to be strengthened in the power of His might, that He'll open the eyes of our understanding, that He'll clear any misunderstandings that we might have from His Word or from other teachings. I pray that He would wash over us with His Holy Spirit-filled Word. That's Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin at verse 1. You'll find that on page 1602 in those Bibles there in your seats. Luke chapter 10. Page 1602. And this is what is written there. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Now, you'll recall that he had previously sent his 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, two by two, ahead of him to preach and teach and to heal. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Who are the laborers? We are. So when somebody says, who are you? You can say, I'm a laborer for the Lord. 
I labor for Christ. And then he went on to say, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. He's saying, I'm putting you in danger. This isn't an easy walk. I'm sending you out into a battlefield. Carry neither money bag or knapsack nor sandals and greet no one along the road. He's saying, don't take this lightly, but I don't want you to think that you have to prepare for yourself. I don't want you to believe that you have to take care of you. He said, I'm going to take care of you. When he sent these 70, he's telling them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm putting you in danger, and I'm going to take care of you. I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandals, greet no one along the road. In other words, don't linger. Don't hang out and party. Don't think that this is an easy walk. You've got to go and do what I tell you to do. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, in other words, if there's a believer there, your peace will rest on it. But if not, it will return to you. And then he says, remain in that same house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Set up church as you go. When you land somewhere, you hang out and you do what I'm giving you to do, is what he's telling them. Putting it in layman's terms. Do not go from house to house. Don't wander around. Stay in one place. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat whatever's set before you. And then we get a command. Heal the sick. He doesn't say try to heal the sick. He doesn't say attempt to heal the sick. He doesn't say offer to heal the sick. He says heal the sick. It's a command. From our Lord, the one that we claim to follow, the one who we say we're going after, the one whose way is laid out in this book that we call the Bible. He said, heal the sick. It's a command. Now, we could argue that he's only sending those 70. We could also argue that he was only sending the apostles. And there are people that argue that today. I disagree with them. This is a command to all believers. Heal the sick. Do you want to disobey him? Whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say. Now, this is the part that contradicts everybody saying, oh, Jesus is love. The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. He's saying, look, if they don't receive you, don't keep pushing it. Hit the road and wipe the dust off your feet. Let them be where they are because now you've got to go on to those who are going to receive the message. That's what he's saying. It's not me. It's him. The very dust of your feet, excuse me, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near you. Previously, the kingdom had not arrived. But here he was bringing the kingdom, authorizing his disciples, his followers, to bring the kingdom of God to other people. They were authorized. But I say to you, now here's the warning, I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. That's serious, folks. When people reject the gospel, you know what he's saying right there? They are damned. That's what he's saying. And we hear there's one unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Who do you think they are blaspheming when they reject the gospel? He's making it clear. It's going to be more tolerable for Sodom, that city that was destroyed by God himself 
with fire and brimstone out of heaven, it will be more tolerable for them than the ones that reject the gospel. This is serious. Woe to you, he goes now, and he's talking about particular cities. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, another couple of cities that hadn't repented, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And you know we have people today that say we don't need to repent. We have people today that preach out of the Bible and say we don't need to repent. And yet here we have our Lord, our Savior, the one we call Jesus, saying if they had heard, if they had seen, if they had received the gospel, they would have repented. So the implication is that all who are given the gospel must turn from their wicked ways unto the Lord himself. That is the act of repentance. Turning away from everything that goes contrary to what God wants for you in your life. It'll be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven. In other words, this is a great city. Capernaum at this time, will be brought down to hell, to Hades, to death. He said, you're going to die because you reject the gospel. He who hears you hears me. He's telling his disciples, when they hear you, when they receive the truth of the gospel, they're hearing right from him. He is speaking through his servants. He who who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. When we are authorized to take the gospel into all the world as we are when we come to faith in Christ, we are to deliver the truth, the truth of God's Word. And when someone rejects that truth, they're not just rejecting us. They're rejecting Christ, and they're not just rejecting Christ. They're rejecting Almighty God, their Creator. This is serious. And yes, we do want to bring the Word of God as plainly as possible so that people can receive what He offers. But we're not to baby them. Oh, come on. Receive the gospel. You'll get a flowery life. Jesus loves you. He says, wipe the dust off your feet when they reject the gospel and go to the next town, go to the next place, go to the next person. Then the 70, now they had went out. Now the next verse, verse 17, tells us they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Subject. We're going to go into that. I've got some notes, and I'm going to get back to them, okay? I'm not going to cover that right now. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. What name? What was his name? What was his given name? Yahashua, in his name. That's all the authority that his name carries. Now, we call him Jesus because somewhere along the line in the history of the church, his name was changed. It wasn't transliterated. And there's a lot of arguments about why that happened and how it happened and all of that because Zeus and there was no Z's and all this stuff and there's no J's and... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but they're subject to them, to us, in His name, because His name carries the authority. His name carries the power of Almighty God. And He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Whoa! Disempowered. The enemy of souls is disempowered in the name of the one that Almighty God sent here to be the Savior. Disempowered. He fell. He dropped. He had no authority because in their 
walk with him, with Christ, with that one we call Jesus. With the, in their walk, in their preaching of the truth, of the gospel, the enemy's disempowered because all the demons of hell are subject to God's people because you are authorized to tell them what to do. That's what his word says, and we're going to get into that. I'm going to support that. I'm not just making blanket statements because somebody else made them. I'm going to show you what God's word says, okay? You need to understand this in the times that we are in right now. Behold, verse 19, our Lord says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Is he talking about snakes and critters? Or is he talking about, in extension, all those wicked spirits, those evil demons that left heaven with Satan? And could it be both? And over all the power of the enemy, all, I give you the authority to trample on all the power of the enemy. All means all. It doesn't leave room for anything to be excluded. All. And then he goes on to say, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The demons don't have power over you unless you subject yourself to them. And we'll get into that, too, when I get to the notes. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Now, there he confirms that they are. In fact, the demons are subject to God's people, and he confirms it. Our Lord confirms it right there. There's no doubt. There should be no doubt in any of your minds. I don't care what some movie showed you or what some, some Hollywood production scared you into believing. They are subject to you. You need to get that. You need to get it. Our Lord said so. And if you don't believe it, you're not believing Him. And you need to believe Him. Because the power of hell is going to be unleashed on this earth, and it's already beginning. We're starting to see it. And you have the authority to trample on all the power of the enemy. He said so. Our Lord said so. Okay? I don't care what some preacher said. I don't care what some pastor said. I don't care what some theologian said. I don't care what some Bible school says. I don't care what some cemetery says. He said, I give you power. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. He said so. But rather, he said, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It's not a matter of rejoicing that the demons obey you when you say, come out. They must. That is how authority works. You think about it. You think about it in a, in a military situation. The higher-ups tell the lowers what to do, and they do it. They must. They must obey. They're forced to by the structure of authority. Everything is in a declining order, okay? I'm not going to get into all of that, but when you look at authority, just take, for example, any, any uh, structure of authority. You look at it and you say, okay, here we have this, and then we have this, and then we have this in a descending order. And then usually at the lower levels, you have more people. Christ is the head. We are the body. He's in control. We serve Him. We're not serving ourselves. We're not serving someone else. We are serving Him. And in serving Him, we are serving Almighty God. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. <clears throat> and then in that hour, our Lord rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows 
who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Blessed are your eyes that see the things that you see, because there are many who wanted to see it. This is what he went on to tell his disciples. There are many that wanted to see what they saw, and they weren't able because it wasn't time. You know, I intentionally glossed over a few verses there because I wanted to focus on them more intently. You are those who are commanded to heal the sick. Commanded. And then you say to them, the kingdom of God has come among you. The kingdom of God has come near you. In Luke chapter 9, we read that he gave his apostles power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them. He authorized them. In Matthew chapter 10, we read that he gave them power against clean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness. And all manner of disease. Is a virus a manner of disease? According to science, it is. And according to our Lord, He gave them power against all manner of disease. And they, by extension, are you, if in fact you are a believer. As many as received him, it's written in John chapter 1 and verse 12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, we learn that you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. He gave you power to be children of God by faith. And then in Mark chapter 16, hear what is written there. These signs will, will follow those who believe. They will. The following signs are going to follow. They're going to come along with you who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, there are those that argue, well, there's people that have been poisoned, even those in the pulpit. The enemy of souls has wanted to shut them up. How do we, how do we justify that? I can't tell you. I can tell you this, though, that the Lord knows who his servants are. He says, you'll cast out demons, you'll speak with new tongues, you'll take up serpents, and if you drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt you. And if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. They will, will recover. Who are you? Verse 17 and verse 20 give you insight to who you are in Christ. You who believe are those who operate under His authority. You are a servant. And I know that's not a comfortable word. You know, the other word that the Scripture uses is, hear me now, slaves. You are slaves. You are servants of the Most High God. We don't like to be called slaves. This has such a negative connotation, especially in these United States of America, because of the history of slavery and how horrible that was. But he says in his word that you are, in fact, slaves of the Most High God when you give yourself to him, to be used by him. Remember, he said all authority and power Excuse me, all authority was given to him in heaven and on earth. That's in Matthew 28, verse 18. And we just read that he delegated the authority to his disciples. He, de he delegated his authority to the 12 and then further to 70. And do you think it stopped there? Some would argue that it does because there's no other mention where Christ himself says, I delegate this authority to you. 
But you know what? It is written at the end of Matthew. He said, go into all the world. Teach them everything that I taught you. And he wasn't just talking to the 12 there. He wasn't just talking to the 70 there. He was talking to us. He's talking to each of you. You are authorized by Almighty God to do His work. That's a fact. Whether anybody else agrees with me or not, it doesn't matter because I look at the Word of God and I say, this is what He says, and I believe it. I'm not going to change my belief because somebody else disbelieves. He delegated His authority. And this, when we look at this power and authority being delegated to the 70, we see that's implied that it goes beyond the 12. He's delegating power and authority to everybody, everybody who follows Him. These are just regular people, okay? They're just regular people like you and me. But verse 17 relates their joy over the fact, the fact that demons were subject to them. Subject. And in verse 20, we learn that our Lord confirmed this. Yes, He said, they're subject to you, but don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's where we rejoice. They were just regular people. And the demons were subject unto them through their own name? Or was it through the name of their denomination? Or as I call them sometimes demonic nations now. Were these demons subject to them by some high and mighty religious leader? The demons were subject to them by the name of Yahushua. The one that's been changed to Jesus. That's what his word says. These were everyday people who placed their faith in the one that we call Jesus. At that time, nobody called him Jesus. They called him by his given name. And so whenever he went about preaching and he went about sending people, they were sent out in his name. Not in some other name, not in some made-up name. In his name. It's really important, folks. And I know I tick people off with this, but i got to say it. I have to. I must. I must preach the whole counsel of God's Word. I am going to stand before Almighty God, and I've got to stand there with my hands open and say, Dear God, I pray that my hands are clean. I do not want to be held accountable for your blood because I didn't preach the whole truth. And it's difficult in this age, it's difficult in this time, because so many people are so hypersensitive to every little thing and the next thing you know, the pew's empty out because I spoke the truth of God's Word. And I say, praise be to God. And I'll continue to preach His Word. Everyday people place their faith in Him. You know what it means to be subject to? Does anybody have any idea what that means, to be subject to? You think about a king, a ruler. We have politicians today that are trying to become kings, rulers. They want to rule everybody by dictate, by mandate. That's not God's will. They're usurping the power of the people. The power was vested in the people at the beginning of these United States of America, and this commonwealth of Pennsylvania is a part of these United States of America. And the power is in the people. It is not in the government. And we need to comprehend that. And I'm not going into that deeply. I'm just going to let you know that's the truth. The enemy of souls and his crew must obey you if you're operating as an ambassador of Christ. You have been sent. Whether anybody told you before now or not, this is a mission. You're on it. It's called earth. You're an ambassador from heaven, and your job is to draw people into the kingdom of Almighty God through the gospel, the good news of Christ, our Lord, who gave his life so that each and every soul on this planet might be saved from damnation. Because hell was not created for people, it was created for the devil and his angels. But unfortunately, people were going to land there. They are landing there. The enemy of souls may not override your authority. Well, there is one exception, and we'll get to that. 
But don't take this lightly, folks. I've seen people take it lightly. Oh, I've got the power. I've got the power. I'm going to step on the devil. You know what? He's got a lot of power, too. And you need to be right by God before you take on that battle. Some can only be handled by fasting and prayer. That's what our Lord said. I don't take that lightly at all. If you're operating in Satan's realm by willfully sinning, guess what? You just subjected yourself to him. Here, shackle me. That's what God's Word says. That's why I say it, because he's the author of sin. Who was the first to sin? I will ascend, and I will be like the Most High. I'm going to take over. I'm going to run the show. I'm the big boss. And God said, out with you. Show him who's boss. He's the author of sin. It's written in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 22. His own iniquities entrap the wicked one, and he's caught in the cords of his sin. Caught in the cords of his sin. Sin is a snare. It locks on to you. And it doesn't want to let go. And sometimes people get so ensnared in sin that they fall apart. And sometimes one of us is going to be the one that comes in and says, Be gone. Be free. By his stripes you were. Past tense. Set free. And we need to understand that too. Not going to go deep into it. It may be a subject of another message, I'm sure. But you need to understand, it's a past tense. It's not a, I must do this, I must grab this, I must take this. He did it. He paid the price. It's already done. We need to accept the gift that he offers. If you're operating in his realm, though, in Satan's realm, by willfully sinning, our Lord said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Who's the author of sin? Satan is the author of sin. So if you're a slave of sin, who are you a slave of? The author of sin. Very clearly. And in Romans chapter 6, we hear, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? And then he gives us a couple of examples. He says, Whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. You get to choose. Do you want to be a slave of sin? Shackle me up. I'm in, Satan. But don't expect that he's going to obey you when you are his slave. Don't expect that his minions are going to obey you when you're his slave. Isn't going to happen. And I have seen too many examples of people who believe that they're somehow got the power of God, no matter how they live their lives, that fall under that because they do not have the authority that they believe they have because they have subjected themselves to Satan. Get out of sin. This is the time, folks. There's not another time where you're going to be able to say, okay, well, I can wait till the end. No. It's now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Today, now, is the time to turn anything that's getting you shackled to Satan because you need to stand in the power and authority that Almighty God has endued you with. There's no way around that. Otherwise, you're subject to sin. You're a slave of sin. You're subject to the enemy. But Romans chapter 6 goes on to tell us, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that teaching to which you were delivered, the teaching of the gospel, the good news. Christ sets you free. He came to set the prisoners free. He came to set the prisoners free. Why would anybody, and I've said this many times in the pulpit, why would anybody put themselves back in jail after they've been let out? Why make that choice? It doesn't make sense. You've been set free. Iniquity entraps you. But you've been delivered. And having been set free from sin... Now, check this out. This is the part that most people don't like to hear. You become slaves of righteousness. Slaves 
of righteousness. You are not able to resist the righteousness. Whenever you give yourself over, Holy Spirit takes over, and He manifests Himself in your life, and you are now slaves of righteousness, and you will live righteous lives. Does that mean you're not going to stumble once in a while? I can't say that. I know there is a thing called holiness, and without which none of us will see God. And we'll explore that further along the line, too. But you become slaves of righteousness when you've been set free from sin. You want to serve God. You want to live righteous lives. And I'm not talking about legalistic lives, the do's and the don'ts that religion puts out there. Because every single demonic nation on this earth has a list of rules that you will follow or you can't be a part of their demonic nation. Well, I'm going to be a part of the kingdom of Almighty God. I'm going to follow His rules. And guess where you find them? Right here. His book. His will. His way. And I'm not talking about legalism, folks. I'm talking about obedience. Obedience to our Creator. Obedience to the one who brings salvation to this earth. Obedience to Almighty God Himself who wants nothing more than a relationship with you. And that darkness of sin gets between you and him, and you're not able to have a relationship with him. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to manifest in your life. He wants you to be used of him to heal the sick. He wants you to be used of him to cast out the demons. He wants you to be used of him to bring forth his manifestation and his presence in this world. That's what he wants. His word makes it clear. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, is a little preceding what we just read from Romans. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Yahashua, Messiah, were baptized into His death? In other words, you died to yourself. You died. You, the old you, is dead. That sinful you is gone. That sinful you has been wiped out. You've been baptized into His death. You died with Him. Now, let's go on. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Buried. So you died and you were buried. And then he says, but just as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're no longer bound in sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are brought into newness of life. You are born again, and unless one is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. This is what our Lord said. We have so many today, and this started many, many years ago, with this decision theology. Well, you just make a decision for God. Say this little prayer, every head bow, every hand raise. Oh, let's raise your hand. Oh, yes, brother. I said, you know, I was in a service one time when the pastor did that, and I looked around, and one, one hand up. Oh, yes, brother, I see you. Oh, yes, sister, I see you. Come on with the hypocrisy. People need to give their hearts to God. They need to put themselves down in their face. They need to believe that Almighty God will save their soul, deliver them from evil. That's what we need. This whole decision theology, raise your hand, bow your head. Everybody, nobody look now. We don't want anybody to get embarrassed. Well, if you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you. That's what his word says. We may not willfully sin and expect somehow that the devils are going to be subject to us. They won't be. We need to pray what's written in Psalm 119 and verse 133. Lord, order my steps in your word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Pray that prayer. Let no evil, let no sin have dominion over me. We're all human. We all have flesh. What are we battling? Where is that battle? You know, it's in our mind. That's where the battle's waged. The enemy will inject things. Remember, it is written in Romans chapter 6 and verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. And see, there's those who take grace and they say, oh yeah, God's grace set me free. I don't have to follow the law. And they're saying what they're really saying is I don't have to be obedient to God. They're saying they don't have to obey God. I said, well, where does that stop? 
Where does it stop? You know, because people will argue, well, I don't have to uh, worship on Sunday, or I don't have to worship on Saturday, I don't have to worship on the Sabbath, whatever you call the Sabbath. I don't have to do it. And I said, well, then you're allowed to murder somebody? Okay, so what about, um, let's see, you're married. Uh, would you like somebody else to be with your partner? Do you want that? Because after all, if you're not, under, uh, you're not under sin, you're not under the law, you're under grace, and everybody can have everybody, right? There's no boundaries. Everybody can do whatever they want, and that's what they're pushing. And it's a lie straight out of hell. And we need to be God's people who stand up for God's truth and say, no, that is not true. It's a lie. The lies of hell are destroying God's people. His people are destroyed for a lack of what? Scream it out to me. Knowledge. His people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And what don't they know? They don't know his word. Why don't they know his word? Because the word isn't being preached. Oh, we get a flowery story for 15 minutes. We read a passage of Scripture, and then we talk about baseball, and we talk about the dog, and we talk whatever. How about we bring God's Word to bear from the pulpits of this country? We would see a revival. Sin is the gateway to subjection to the enemy. Think about that. Whenever you're tempted, resist the devil, and it says he's going to keep badgering you. Flee! And why? Because you are authorized. You are authorized to resist the devil. The devil and his crew of wicked ones aren't subject to you when you have placed yourself into subjection to them. Think about that, folks. Do you think for a moment that any slave in the world right now, there are many, many places that have slavery. Do you think for a moment that any slave is going to turn to the boss and say, "Uh -uh, I'm not going there. You need to listen to me. The boss is going to laugh. Oh, you put yourself in subjection to me. You willingly came into my realm. I control you. You don't control me. That's the way it works in reality. So don't think for a moment that you're going to command demons to get out of the way whenever you're giving yourself over to sin because you're subjecting yourself to their boss. Who are you? Who are you? You are those who are authorized to trample scorpions and serpents underfoot by the power of Almighty God. You are authorized. you got to get that. And as I was asking the children, you know, somebody is over you, like their parents, for example, they're over you and they say, do this. You say, no. What do they call that? Insubordination. If you're working a job and the boss says, go here and do this, Do you say, no, I don't want to do that. I think today I'm going to whatever you think. Right. Here's the pink slip. Go find somebody else that will pay you to do whatever you want. It's not the way it works. Well, the same is true with Almighty God. You are authorized to trample. You are authorized. Your boss, Almighty God, gives you the authority to trample underfoot. It's not a light thing here. You're authorized. You have authority. You've been given over all the power of the enemy and all there means all. It doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean most. It doesn't mean much. It means all. All the power of the enemy is under your foot as a part of the body of Christ who is the head of the body. God blessed them whenever he created man. Male and female created he them. He blessed them, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, we always hear that part, right? Do we hear the part right after that? And subdue it. Subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea. How many fishermen do we have here? You have dominion over the fish of the sea. Think about that. You have the power... To pull those fish out of the water and turn them into food, okay? And over all the fowl of the air, I used to like to go bird hunting with my dad. He hunted different birds, pheasant, grouse. The grouse would scare the heck out of you when they flushed. <laughs> As a child, you have 
that power. You have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Is there anything excluded there? Every living thing upon the earth. You have dominion as human beings. Now, we know Adam gave that up, didn't he? And when did he do that? When he sinned. When he sinned, he gave up the dominion that Almighty God had given him. And now God sends the second Adam, the one we call Jesus, Yahashua. He sends him in, and guess what happened? By his obedience, he took back that dominion. And then he said, here, I'm giving it back to you. Take it and operate in it. Do what I'm telling you to do. And he says, don't give in to sin. Because the moment you do that, you have shackled yourself to it. Over every living thing. Christ took back the dominion that Adam had given to Satan. In Ephesians chapter 1, we hear Almighty God had raised him from the dead, Yahshua, Christ our Lord, raised him from the dead, set him at his right hand, at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Almighty God set our Lord at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things, all things, under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And we could do a series of sermons on that whole thing. But get this, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you are above. You are over all those powers and dominion. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against those evil forces. Christ as the head, we're his body. We are with Christ, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. We are far above, far above, not just slightly above, not on the even keel. We're above, far above. And we are to speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority the Word of God. And we're to let no man despise us. In other words, don't let anybody despise. Don't, don't let somebody stop you from doing that. You need to speak the truth of God's Word. This is what Paul told Titus. Speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. You've been authorized. You've been authorized to take the Word of Almighty God out into that world and draw souls out of the darkness and into His light. Because after all, you are children of light. If, in fact, you have been born again, you've been born out of darkness into light. Think about the imagery there, okay? Our Lord always brought the physical and the spiritual together. And you know, I was chastised one time by a church member. Oh, you're spiritualizing too much, Pastor. We, we can't spiritualize things like that. I'm going with what my Lord said. That's what I'm going to do. I look at it the way he did it, and I say, I'm going to do that the best I possibly can. I'm going to bring it in its fullness. And there's a spiritual component to everything physical. I don't care what anybody says. It's there. And some will say, oh... They'll say they're concerned for other believers. We have to be concerned for other believers that maybe their faith isn't as strong as ours. We don't want to give them false hope. You know, the Lord himself wasn't always able to heal the sick. Do you know that? Open your Bibles, page 15, 13, and those ones in your seats. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, I want you to read it for yourself because I don't want you to take my word for it. Matthew chapter 13, page 15, 13. I really want you to get this, folks. It's critically important that you comprehend this, okay? We're going to start at verse 54 because I want you to get the context. Page 15, 13. We'll start at verse 53. It's easier in these Bibles. I don't know how, if you have your own, whether it is. Matthew chapter... 13, did I get that right? Yes, Matthew 13, 
Verse 53, now it came to pass when our Lord had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, his own country, who can say his own country? His own country. He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Mighty works. He was teaching with mighty works. He wasn't just teaching with words, okay? Where did he get these Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Hey, we know his dad. Isn't that that guy? Oh, and is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And so they were offended at him. But he said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And now he did not do many mighty works there because, why, anybody? Because of their unbelief. He was limited by their unbelief. That's what he said. He said that, not me. I'm not making this up. I'm not pulling it out of thin air. I'm not imagining it. I'm not fabricating it. He said he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. Some refuse to walk by faith out of concern for our testimony to the unsaved. Well, we don't want to be too, you know, we don't want to be too uh, uh, spiritual in front of the unsaved. We don't want to stand on the authority of God because of the unsaved. This is what's implied there. The word concern includes elements of worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety. Just look up the word. Don't take my word on it. And I'm not being arrogant here. I just want you to understand. When I look at words, I say, what does that word really mean? Okay, I have a concept or an idea that's in my mind of what that word means. But let me look it up. Worry. Anxiety. And where are they based? Is that in faith? Are we worried by faith? Are we anxious by faith? Or are we worried and anxious by fear? That false evidence that appears real. That's where it comes from. The root of worry is fear. It's not faith. One that we call Jesus instructed his followers not to worry. He said, be not afraid. Be not afraid of those who will kill the body. Don't be afraid of those who are going to kill the body. Be afraid of the one that can take your soul and throw it into hell. That's what he said. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. Be not afraid. It is a state of being. Not afraid. Now, the modern translations make it, don't be afraid. That's not what it means. It means be unafraid. Be not afraid. In other words, when you walk up to somebody and I say, brother, I want you to understand Almighty God brought Christ into this world to save your soul. He says, I don't want to hear it. I say, okay. Hey, sister. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be brought into His kingdom. And she says, I accept what He offers, that free gift. And that's what's going to happen. But don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. As they kill your body, they're sending you to be with your Lord. And if He allows it to happen, it's your time. So don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. You've been given authority. You have been authorized. It's the title of the message, by the way, if you haven't caught that yet. Be not afraid. And you know, obeying this command, you'll be, when you do obey it, you'll be called arrogant or disrespectful. Because when you obey this command, it can lead you to transgress the limits of what humans have put in place. What they permit, or what they deem appropriate. And you find that in the churches especially. Especially those ones that stand with their hands at their side. You know what? If God leads you to praise Him, praise Him. I had a woman one time, I was preaching in a different building in this valley, and she said, you know, Pastor, whenever I hear you preach, I just want to yell, Amen! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! I said, you should. Don't hold back. Let the Lord speak through you. We know the rocks of Amen. 
That's what he says. It's not arrogant or disrespectful to obey your Lord, even when you have to disobey someone else to be obedient to him. My concern is for eternal souls. They're in danger of everlasting consequences. That's where my concern lies. The God of the Bible has granted authority to His people. He has authorized you. You are authorized. I'm going to drive that home because I want you to get it. He delegated power to His people through the one we follow. By His name. If you operate in Him... Remember, he gave authority to his servants and to each one his work. That's written in Mark chapter 13 and verse 34. He says he gives authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And do we believe it? Do we really believe that we are authorized? Do we really believe that we're authorized? Or does some uh, demonic portrayal that was put forth by Hollywood get you all worked up? in the back of your mind somewhere, because you've been programmed. Those sources aren't true to the Bible. They're not true to God's Word. Somebody's head spins around in circles and everybody... (gasps) But you better be prayed up, and in some cases you better fast, because we know whenever the disciples came, they said, well, we, we, we couldn't get this one out. What happened? Why couldn't we cast this one out? And he said, because some take fasting and prayer. And again, I don't take that lightly. I make sure if I don't know what I'm up against, sometimes I do know what I'm up against, and I won't be necessarily concerned about it, and I can take that authority and say, out, you got to go. You have no authority here. The enemy of souls has no authority in this building. This is a building that's been dedicated to Almighty God, and we're going to do whatever it is that Almighty God wants us to do here. He gave you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. And nothing will by any means hurt you. That doesn't mean you're not going to die because you are. We're all going to die. It's been appointed once for all all of us to die. The question is, do you believe that you have that authority? You've got to settle that question. I can't settle it for you. We're not going to rejoice because the devils are subject to us. We're going to rejoice because our names are written in heaven. And after this teaching, he prayed to the Father, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. The religious scholars of that time, he hid these things from them. Who hid them? God hid them. God hid the truth of this teaching from the religious leaders of that time. And do you think for a moment that he isn't hiding this from religious leaders today. I think it's obvious. We wouldn't have so many demonic nations if he wasn't. They'd come in line with his word. We wouldn't be having demons run their churches. We wouldn't have demons preaching from the pulpits. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Those disciples, they were regular people just like you and me. They weren't anybody special. You got to get that too because this hierarchy of the church has said, oh, no, we're greater than you. You have to look up to us. The only reason I'm on this platform is because it makes it easier for the people in the back to see me, okay? We knocked this down a step. It used to be three steps, and we knocked it down one, spread it out, and now we got room for musicians. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you've been authorized? Our Savior taught relationship, fearless relationship, relationship that moved people to take His Word out into all the world and share it with others. Fearless relationship. They dedicated their lives to the spread of the good news, and many of them loved not their lives unto death. In other words, they gave their lives for the gospel. And nobody wants to preach that message because that will empty pews and seats faster than anything. Hey, you might die for your faith. Well, that's what the Lord says, and He makes it clear in His Word. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, who are those witnesses? Those are the people that gave their lives in the testimony of the gospel. Relationship with our Creator led them to do that for centuries. Even now, there are people that are giving their life for Christ. 
all over the world. We don't think about that because we're being distracted by all this news media stuff. Oh, this city's on fire and that city's on fire. You know, I watched uh, a thing, a little video thing somebody sent me. They said, you know, out there in uh, whatever it was, somewhere in Oregon or somewhere, they're still doing their rioting thing, and now the police are starting to step in and say, no, nah, it's time to stop. And I saw one guy rips his shirt off, and he's running toward the police, figuring, hey, they're not going to do anything. They sprayed him down with pepper spray. And he got up, and he's yelling, medic, medic. Like, what do you think? Come on. They ran, he ran back toward the police, and they sprayed him with another dose. I'm saying, okay, that'll settle him down. Down on the ground he went, like a bee. You know, whenever you spray the bees with the bee spray, down they go. He's riding around on the ground. Ah, medic, medic. That's what the demons are to do whenever you spray the gospel upon them. Drop, out, go, done. We want no demons in the population of God's people. We want none to be hunted or, or hurt by demons and, and evil spirits, unclean spirits as they're called. Anybody can be delivered from that. Anybody. Anyone. Get that clear. Anybody. God says so. I'm going with what he says. When that serpent, the devil, is cast down, the final victory will be won. You know, as I wrap this up, I want you to remember who you are in Christ. You are authorized. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, you are authorized. You are authorized to cast out demons. You are authorized to heal the sick. You are authorized to spread the good news. You are authorized by Almighty God to manifest His Spirit in the many ways in which He says you will. You are authorized. You're those who comprehend the power and authority He delegated to His followers. You can operate in it regardless of what anybody else says, and regardless of any real or imagined danger. And we've got a lot of imagined danger around us today. There's a lot of imagined danger. That's the truth of Scripture. It's the testimony of the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. It's the testimony of the one whose name is used in vain by many today. They say they follow Him. They have a form of godliness, but they deny His power. That's what His Word says. It will be like in the last days. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight, it's written in Hebrews chapter 12, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race. Remember, we are those who run with endurance the race that's set before us. Remember, we covered that a few messages ago. That's who we are. Run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto the author and finisher of our faith, not the author of sin, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The very real danger that we face every day is the wages of sin. That's the danger that we're in. And the real solution is to assemble together in the name of that one that we follow. I praise God. There are preachers now out in California, named preachers, well-known preachers, not necessarily those who follow the doctrine of Scripture the way that we do, who have said, no, we're going to meet. They're challenging. California's ruling. Their governor... That no, churches can't meet. You know, here in Pennsylvania, churches were never excluded from keeping their doors open. Do you know that? Never. They were excluded from locking their doors. But many chose to. Oh, and I, this upsets them the most. I've got a lot of preachers that are upset with me over this one because as soon as I talk about it, wham, they jump on me. And I say, you know what? You weren't forced to show well, We care about our people. We care about unbelievers. We want our testimony to be right. Blah, 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 blah. How about if we go with what God's Word says? He says we shall not, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as has become the custom of some. Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Let's look unto the author and finisher of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. He despised the shame. 
And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The very real danger that we face is sin. Who knows that disobedience to our Lord is sin? His word's clear. He paid the price that all of us owe. And in assembling, we learn His way. And not only do we learn it, we incorporate it into our lives, as we are authorized. Walking His way, we share it with those we encounter outside of the four walls here. And then we invite them to meet with us. We invite them in. We teach them how to walk by faith, not by sight. We teach them the power and authority that they receive. We teach them the devils are subject to them, even those devils that operate in high places. They're subject. But don't be in sin. Because at that point, the devil is no longer subject to you. It's a serious matter, folks. You've got to get that right. Be strengthened in the power of His might. It is with love that I share His Word. It's the Word of the Lord. It's not the Word of the world. And I want you to go forth and be as His people who are, say it with me, authorized. You are authorized. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that You and You alone are in control. We thank you that we are authorized to cast out demons. We are authorized to heal the sick. We are authorized to preach your word. Regardless of what any human being says, we are authorized. Help us to walk in that authorization, that we would be your people doing your will, You've unshackled us from sin. Let us not place our wrists back in those shackles. Let us not be ensnared by sin. Let us not be tripped up by iniquity. Let us walk as your people who are authorized to do what you have sent us to do, we pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, we can receive an offering. Remember, folks, I'm a volunteer here, so if anybody wants to give to my support, my wife's support, you want to give us a gift, we accept that, but we do not, we're not paid, we're volunteers, so just let you know that. Praise God.